Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to be with you today. At our house, we have a number of Christmas traditions, one of which is watching uh, Christmas movies. We've talked about that over the last couple of weeks in some surveys online, but at our house, you know, we quote a lot of the movie lines. I'm sure you do too, If you, and some of these will stand out to you, like if somebody makes a mistake or someone's like, it's not uncommon here, you sit on a throne of lies or something like that. If you're an elf fan, you know about that one, or people will be double dog dared to do something at Christmas time. But my favorite movie is the George C. Scott version of A Christmas Carol. Does anybody know this one? Okay, this is like, because he did like the greatest Scrooge uh, I guess portrayal of anybody I've ever seen in a movie, but I've read the book and I've seen the movie and I've been to Shakespeare and seen the play of A Christmas Carol, but every time I see it, every time I read it or watch the movie, I am constantly moved because it's not just a clever line or something funny. There is a, a real meaning to A Christmas Carol where you have a stingy, miserly, mean old sinner who repents and discovers all the love he's missed out on his whole life. And people all around the world love this story. It's 175 years old, but it's never been out of print. Because the whole world is looking for love like that. And it's a magnificent story, but today I want to tell you a better story. A better story of love at Christmas, and it's the story of Jesus' birth. Because we all want love. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you for the greatest love story ever. That's your great love for us. So today, Lord, I pray that you'll remind us of what Christmas is really all about. I pray that you'll fill our hearts with love, love for you and love for each other. And you will leave here today, and we will all leave here today greatly encouraged. Please speak and move me out of the way. Teach us whatever you want to teach us today about love. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, there's an outline inside your bulletin. If you're following along, you'll see there that we live in a fallen world that desperately needs love. A fallen world. Uh, the Bible makes this clear all throughout. Uh, one of the clearest places in 2 Timothy 3, where Paul was writing his understudy, his disciple, Timothy. He said, you should know this, Timothy. In the last days, there will be very difficult times for people who love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. I think we're living in the last days. Anybody uh, following with this? Okay, they'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what's good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride. They'll love pleasure rather than God. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that can make them godly. And this was written before social media. I mean, this is the condition of our world. And that's why people are so hungry for genuine love, because cruelty is easy to find. People puffing themselves up, bragging about themselves, tearing other people down, that's everywhere. And that's why it's so important to remind ourselves what the Christmas story is. And that's point two. God sent his son into our fallen world to rescue us because he loves us. I mean, the Christmas story is a love story. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, this is John 3, 16, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I mean, that's why Jesus came, to rescue us from that fallen, sinful world that desperately needs love. He came 
not only to show us love, but to give us love. And you'll see that as we go through this. To remind us what happened that first Christmas, Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, <clears throat> went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. That child that we're talking about was the Son of God, Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah. When John, Jesus' disciple, spoke about this, he said, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And so the story of Christmas is how God sent his Son into the world. It was necessary for him to come as a baby, to be born as we are, to breathe our air, eat our food, walk this planet, go through all the struggles and trials that we go through, to be tempted in every way that we are, but to never sin. So that a little over three decades later, he could surrender himself to be crucified on a cross and pay the penalty for your sins and mine. That's why Jesus came. And he did it all because of love. I mean, that's point one here. He did it because God loves us so much. For God so loved the world, well, the NLT translated it, God loved the world so much. And I want us to understand it that way. That's, that's, an, that's a very accurate translation. We have three sons. Our youngest son, Graham, was the, be, the biggest hugger of all three. And when the boys were small, I remember coming home, and he would meet me at the door. He'd jump in my lap, and he'd go, Dad, I love you so much. And he'd squeeze me as hard as he could. When he got to be a teenager, he was like, hey, Dad. You know, that type of thing. Which was good, because he's bigger now. And if he squeezed me like that, I don't know if I could survive it, okay? But the whole thing was that, Dad, I love you so much. Do you know why Jesus came into our world? Because God loves us so much. Ephesians 1, Paul reflects on this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God planned this from eternity past because he loves us so much. I don't know what you went through this last year. I mean, we all go, some of us had the best year ever. Some of us, this was a really hard year. And it may seem hard to believe, but I never get tired of telling people this. And especially at Christmas time, we have to talk about this again. That God loves you so much. Could we say that phrase, God loves you so much? Could we say that together, please? God loves you so much. That was practice. Now I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them, God loves you so much. Go ahead and do it right now. Yeah, now you didn't have to give him a big hug. Don't, don't do that. Okay, that's fine. Do you know that God loves you so much? We forget that, don't we? We do. And we don't think about how much it took for him to come down to earth, to become one of us, to go through all the struggles we do, and then to be executed on our behalf. Unbelievable. 
Paul in Ephesians 3, this is a little later in that same letter to the Ephesians. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. It's too great to understand fully because God loves you so much. I mean, if I stop this message right there, that'd be great. And some of you go, yes, that would be great because I got some shopping to do. Can we, can we hurry this along? But I, I have a few other things I want to share with you this morning. But even if we just left with this one understanding, it's so important to remind us that God loves us so much because we forget that when life gets hard and life gets busy and we get distracted by a million things. I want to remind us again this Christmas, God loves us so much. Now look, there's an important note here. Even when life's hard, we can trust that God loves us and hasn't forgotten us. Some of you need to hear this scripture. There's, if you flip your outline over, it's Isaiah 49. Uh, this scripture needs to be read. I need to read this more often than we do, but please hear it now. If you've been through a hard year, listen to this. Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. I have written your name on the palms of my hands, always in my mind, is a picture of Jerusalem's walls and ruins. They've been through a terrible time where They'd gone through a, a time of God's judgment for this, their sin and rebellion. They had repented. Many of them had. And went, will God ever love us again? And he goes, oh yeah. Don't think I've forgotten you. Maybe some of you are here this morning. You need to know that your name is written on the palm of God's hand. He hasn't forgotten you. He loves you so much. He loves us so much, the point two, he willingly sacrificed his only son to save us. He willingly sacrificed his only son to save us. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. This is Romans 5. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And when Jesus came on this rescue mission, he didn't come just to die on the cross for a few people who had PhDs in religion or who were especially good. He came to die for the, the whole world, for sinners. So that whoever comes to him, whosoever believes in him, could have eternal life and not perish. Oh, this is great news. Now look, anytime I talk about this, there, we can fall into one of two extremes first extreme is, well, I'm not that bad of a person. I don't know that I needed God uh, to die for me. It's kind of like this kid who wrote a letter to Santa, and he said, um, Dear Santa, there are three little boys that live in my house. There is David, and there's Jeremy, and uh, Norman, and David is good some of the time, and Jeremy is good some of the time, and Norman is good all the time. I'm Norman. Okay? Well... <laughs> You know, I don't know how David and Jeremy would feel about being thrown under the bus or thrown under the sleigh, I guess would be the way to say this. I don't know how they'd feel about that, but I think Norman was exaggerating a little bit. He wasn't good all the time, and neither are we. We're all sinners. The Bible says all of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every careless thought, every selfish word, everything we procrastinated on, man, if you add it all up, we're not even close. And some of us are going, yeah, John, well, you don't need to worry about that. I'm not in that category. I'm on the other side. 
I don't think God can forgive me. I know exactly how much wicked stuff I've done, and I don't think God will ever forgive me. Well, if you're on that side of the ledger, I want to ask you to take your outline and look down diagonal, down to the bottom corner there. There's a scripture there from the Old Testament, from the book of Jonah. And this is a scripture, whenever I have somebody come in my office, I'll have them read this little passage right here because it just, it gets me almost tickled because it's so opposite of the way most of us think God feels toward us. Jonah was an Old Testament prophet, and God spoke through his prophets to warn people. This Old Testament prophet named Jonah, God had asked him, had commanded him to go to a city of Nineveh, the capital city of some very, very, very wicked people. The Ninevites were uh, warmongers, terrorists. They loved to punish and torture people. They would pillage and burn and rape and do horrible things all over the place. And they had the worst reputation of anybody in the world. And God told Jonah to go tell them the judgment was coming. Jonah didn't go. In fact, if you're not familiar with the story, he went down to the seacoast, got on a ship, sailed in the exact opposite direction on purpose. Well, there was a terrible storm. Jonah realized that it was because it was his fault. He told the sailors to throw him over the side for the storm to stop because it was judgment from God. And God sent a great fish to swallow him up when he was thrown overboard. Fish brought him back to the beach. The Lord said, now go to Nineveh. Don't run away this time. And so Jonah did. He went and preached for three days in Nineveh and told them judgment was coming. And then from the king to the lowest servant, they all tore their clothes and repented for their sins. And God told Jonah, Jonah, look, these people repented. I'm going to show mercy and grace toward them. Now you're ready to hear what this little scripture says. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted won't happen. I mean, that's in the Bible. This prophet knew all about the Ninevites. He probably had family members who'd been terrorized or killed or brutalized by these people. He wanted God to smite them. And when God told him to go and pronounce judgment to him, Jonah said, I ain't doing it. I'm going the other way. And the reason why? He said, because I know how loving you are, Lord. The most wicked, sinful, rotten old sinner, if they'll repent, you'll forgive them. And I want you to smite these people, Lord. Now, I want you to understand how great God's love is. These Ninevites, if there were ever people that deserved to go straight to hell, they were on an express train. And yet when they repented, God had showed them mercy. Now, if that's true for them, it's certainly true for you and me. So please hear today that God loves you so much. And if you think he's mad at you, he's mad about you. Come home. Repent. There's always forgiveness for those who come to him. But God was sending Jesus as a sacrifice. He made this clear even to Joseph and Mary. When they presented little baby Jesus at the temple eight days after he was born, there was an old man there who had been told by God that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah come. 
the one who'd saved the world from its sin. And so when Joseph and Mary showed up with Jesus to dedicate him at the temple, um, he was there, took the baby in his arms, had all kinds of wonderful prophecies about him, and he said this, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he'll be a joy to many others. He's been sent as a sign from God. Many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. You can read later on in the Gospels and see where Mary is standing at the foot of the cross, watching Jesus after he had grown, being crucified in the prime of his life, even though he'd never sinned. And right from the very start, it was made very clear that Jesus came as a sacrifice because he loves us so much. Okay, so God loves us. He sacrificed his son for us. What does he want for us? Well, point C, he wants us to respond. First of all, he wants us to receive his gift of love. John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. That word received there means to claim for yourself, to take something and use it. I mean, like we get Christmas cards at our house. And together with the other mail, and man, it's so exciting. We get Christmas cards. We get a big stack of Christmas cards that will be coming in. Well, in between there, you'll have these bills. And it's like, so I'll tell my wife, hey, we got the Joneses sent us a Christmas card and another Christmas card. And then there's a, this, this Christmas greeting from Chase Card. Who's he? Okay, okay. Well, that's a bill. And we don't put the bill in the same pile as the Christmas cards. The Christmas cards, we can't wait to open. That will wait to open. Well, that's the same way when you receive something. That's not something you just throw in another pile. When my boys were small and we opened gifts on Christmas morning, I mean, we had the room around the tree. We had all the gifts stacked up and other things. And, and then on Christmas morning, they'd wake up, you know, at 5 or 5.15 or whatever it was, and we'd hold them back as long as we could. And then we'd let them into the room where all the gifts are. And I know some of you open all the gifts neatly in an order, and you kind of each person opens a gift. It's kind of like a baby shower, and you all go, ooh, ah, and all that. Okay? At our house, it was more like a wood chipper. I mean, there's just paper <laughs> flying. I mean, this is joy. This is, oh, man! You know what God wants us to do with the gift of his son? Oh, man, there's forgiveness of sin. There's direction for life. There's a right relationship with God. This is the best gift ever. Merry Christmas. God wants us to receive it. Not throw it in a pile. And that can happen. Oh, I've heard about Jesus, but, you know, I just don't want to get too committed to this. What are you talking about? This is forgiveness of sin. This is being filled with his spirit. This is direction for life. This is power and joy and peace. To live life as we always should. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want you to circle the word Lord there. Because it goes right with our next point as we go along. And in the margin, write the word boss. To accept Jesus as boss. 
Because see, if I come to him and admit that I'm a sinner and I've been going the wrong way, well, then I come to him and surrender my life and say, Lord, show me the right way. Your boss. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. He rescued me of sin, and I have recognized him and surrendered myself to him as he is my boss. Would that describe you and me? Because that's what it means to receive him. You must love the Lord completely. That's point two. God wants us to love him completely. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Completely. He's boss. I mean, what does God want? He wants us to love him back. He sacrificed everything. He loves us so much. He just wants us to love him back. You know, when you get around, there are couples that are getting engaged, and you'll see it on Facebook or on Snapchat or places. And, you know, Christmas time is a great time to give somebody a ring, and they're engaged, and they're excited. And they'll, they'll talk about, oh, man, we went out to dinner, and then we ended up talking till 3 in the morning. It was so awesome. We'll go, oh, isn't that sweet? You guys are so romantic. Well, imagine if somebody told you that they got together with some friends, and we started praying at 8 o'clock, and we ended up praying until 3 in the morning. It's like, what were you doing praying until 3 in the morning? How'd you do that? Why would you do that? Because I'm so in love with my Savior. I mean, I told some people that, you know, I'm finished up my Bible reading plan. I read through the Bible this year. And they go, you read through the Bible this year? I go, well, pretty much I do every year. I mean, my job, I kind of need to know it, okay? <laughs> I go, you read through the whole thing? And it's like, yeah. I go, isn't that a burden? I go, no, I love it. Really? Really? I mean, listen to David. This is the way he talked about God. This is a guy who is just crazy about God. Oh, God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. Psalm 63 here. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in a parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I'll praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I'll praise you with, the songs, of jo- with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you throughout the night. I mean, he desires him more than the choicest foods. A while back, somebody, I grew up on a farm in Kansas. I'm a steak and potatoes guy. And they gave me these fillets wrapped in bacon, covered with this black magic rub. And I put them on the grill. I grill them just medium so there's a nice pink thing. I can keep going for a while if you want. But anyway, <laughs> it was just right. And when it's on the grill there, you're going, oh, make your mouth water. It's just so good. I couldn't wait cut into this and think about that and put whatever food would do that for you I get to read God's word today oh that is so awesome I cannot wait because I'm going to get to know him better the one who died for me the one who loves me so much I just want to love him back This Christmas, can I remind us that God wants us to love him back and surrender our whole heart to him? He's boss, and he's a good boss. Doesn't mean he'll take us down the easy roads, but he'll take us down the right roads. And that brings us to point three. God wants our lives 
to be filled with his love. He wants to fill us with his love. He doesn't want to just give us a little bit of love. He wants to fill us up. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. That's 1 John 4. God is love. Can we say those three words together, please? God is love. He doesn't know just a little bit about love, doesn't love every once in a while. We do, we're like that. Our love is inconsistent. God is love. He's a source of love. If we know how dearly God loves us, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When I confess Jesus as Christ as Savior and as boss and surrender my life to him, he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of me and he fills my heart with love. Every single part of my life that I surrender to him, he gives me more love. Ephesians 3, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And so as we grow in the Lord, we get more and more love. I mean, I was thinking about a parallel to this, and the parallel I have in my family was, I remember when our second son, Evan, was on the way. I just didn't, I didn't know if I could love him because I, I loved Debbie, and then Cameron had come, and I learned to love one child, but I loved my wife and the child. This is another category, but could I love two children? What if I didn't love the second one as much as the first one? And it was a real concern to me because I'd not been down this road before. And I talked to a friend who had like five kids, and I said, what happens? And he said, oh, you don't need to worry about it. When that second one arrives, God just makes your heart a little bigger and gives you more love. And it's true. And when a third one arrives, he gave me more love yet. And you know what happens if we keep surrendering our lives? He just keeps giving us more and more and more love. And so let me even read that uh, scripture from under point four, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. See, God doesn't want us just to have a little bit of love. He wants our love to overflow. I brought a box of Rice Krispies this morning just for a visual illustration. Sometimes we think that God wants to give us a little bit of love. Well, Lord, you gave me some love, and I appreciate it. I'm better off than I was. Paul said, no, no, no. Lord doesn't want to give you a little bit of love. He wants to fill your life with love. You know what? He wants to overflow your life with love. Now, for those of you who are more worried about the Rice Krispies that fell on the ground, okay, I understand that. I'll clean them up later, okay? Please focus, all right? There's a point to this illustration. All right, But the idea here is that God wants to fill our lives till we overflow. Why? Because we get to then demonstrate his love to the whole world. See, if I keep surrendering my life to him, my love will overflow. Now I not only have enough love for me for today, I've got enough love to help you. And the more I give away, the more he keeps giving. There's an endless supply because he is love. I mean, it's amazing. And that's why it's the only way you can explain what happens to people when they come to Christ and they start serving others. And the more they serve, the more they give. Where's all that love come from? From the Lord himself. I want you to um, hear from Tina Hamilton. Um, she got involved with the Welcome Center in Millbrook. A place where people get help when they need food. And she started volunteering there 
when her daughter went off to school, and she said, you know, I, I've spent time loving my daughter. I just want to extend that to some other people as well. Well, I'll let you hear about it. Watch the screens. I'm here in Millbrook with Tina Hamilton, and Tina, you're with the Millbrook Welcome Center. You're part of Center Point, but what is going on behind me? There's all this stuff going on. What are you guys doing here? Well, we're, we have a food draw. It's where a truck comes in from the Montgomery Area Food Bank, and it today brought 33,000 pounds of food, and we're able to give it out to our clients. How many people do you how many people do you provide for on a monthly basis? On monthly basis, 250 to 300 families. Tell me exactly what is the Welcome Center? What does it do? What, what's welcome, your mission? The Welcome Center's mission is to feed the hungry in the Millbrook, Casada, Detroit, Elmore area. Uh, we're able to offer them food once a month uh, through our regular food pantry, and then we also have what we call a food drop, which is what we're having today, which gives them food another day. Of Tell me that one of the reasons you got involved with the Welcome Center is because uh, a few years ago your daughter had gone on to school and being a mom, you really kind of needed something to do. Yes. And so you kind of got involved, but you've been doing this for seven or eight years. What's kept you here? Why do you keep helping at the center? Well, not just we provide food and toiletries and we counsel with the people, but we also pray with them and we build relationships with them. Some of them, that this is what they do. They come in, they're glad to see us, we want to love on them. We want them to know that we care about them. We care about what's going on in their life. Now you were telling me about one person I, I saw you with, Katrina. Tell me, I mean, you've really gotten to know her over the years, and tell me a little bit about her story. This is my friend, Latrina Ross. She is a client of Welcome. I met her in 2017, and she is precious. She has six people in her family, four are children, and she, every time I see her, she has something new to tell me that the Lord has done in her life. I have uh, 10 grandchildren, but I'm raising two of them. And one has autism. And uh, the Lord has just truly been blessed. When we run short of food, we can always be here to, it helps us to carry out through the month. You know, it's just a joyful thing. We spend our time counseling with them, seeing what we can do. Can we in a direction that's going to help them more besides just food. We pray with them. We just want to love on them. What difference have you seen it make in the lives well, of I'll, I'll give you one example. And this happened, uh, I don't know, about five years ago. A man came in one day and handed us a check. It was a check for $5,000. And I questioned him because I didn't know him. I wanted to talk to him, get to know him. And come to find out, he had received food from the Welcome Center for three years of previously. Then he got a job. He'd been working for a little over a year. He walked in and gave us a check for the $5,000 and said, I want to give back to those that gave to me. Yeah, so love from somebody like Tina overflows into somebody's life. And then later, they give back because now that love is overflowing out of them. God loves the world so much. Oh, he loves you. 
He wants us to respond, to receive his gift, love him back, and pass it on. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I just pray that this Christmas season we would not not misunderstand what Christmas is all about. It's the best love story ever. And your son is the greatest gift ever. With your head bowed, if the Lord, if you want the Lord to have every part of your life, if you want the Lord's love to overflow in your life, would you pray with me? Oh God, I just, I want your love to overflow in my life. I want to love you like David did. I want to be excited about reading the Bible. I want to be excited about worshiping you. I want to be in love with you, Lord. I don't want to just have religion for show. Oh God, fill my heart with your love and show me anything that displeases you. Or if you're here today and you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, you haven't received him in your heart as boss, would you pray with me? God, I thank you that Jesus paid the penalty for my sins in full. I thank you, Lord, that I can come to you no matter who I am and that you are kind and merciful. If you forgave those Ninevites, then you can forgive me. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to be under new management, Lord. I want you to be boss of my life. And Father, we thank you that we can come to you with anything. And I pray that we'll do that every day, not just at Christmas. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well done.